you would please remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10, Matthew's account of the resurrection. The words are also printed in your bulletins. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes, clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So ends the reading of God's word. And the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our risen Lord and Savior stands forever. Amen. And you may be seated. And if you would, please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to be honest this morning. It has been a, uh, a difficult week of preparation for this Sunday. Um, this week is always hard because we have the extra service on Wednesday for Monday, Thursday, so I'm preparing two messages. And um, I honestly struggled with, uh, with what, um, what I felt God was bringing uh, this morning. Um, it's one of those messages about the risen Lord and Savior that is easy, but it's also complicated because you hear it every year. So what am I going to give that's new? What am I going to give that's interesting or something that they've never heard before? And then I decided, why would I do that? <laughs> why would I not just keep it simple? Because we get to celebrate today that we have a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what better message do we have than this? That our Savior is not dead, but he is risen. He is alive. Um, but as I was thinking about that this, this past week, I came upon another struggle. Uh, after reading our passage, um, 
one of the things that I feel like is necessary as we preach God's word is to really apply it to our daily lives. And I got to the point where I thought, how does the resurrection, the fact that Jesus is risen, how does that affect my daily life? And I struggled. I honestly struggled with how does Jesus' resurrection affect me on Monday? How does it affect me on Tuesday and throughout the rest of the week? What does it mean that Jesus is risen? This is such a great announcement. But what does it mean as we live out our daily lives? And so that is what we are going to be focusing on this morning. What does the resurrection, this great news that Jesus is alive, how does this honestly affect our daily life? So this past week, um, it wasn't planned, but I had an impromptu date with my oldest daughter, Maddie Grace. We, uh, we were out and about on Tuesday, and it was lunchtime, so uh, that was her special day. Each of the kids get a special day during the week. Uh, usually they get special time with mommy, but this time uh, Maddie Grace was out with me. So we, we went to a restaurant. Uh, we had a, a daddy date, and um, as you can imagine, when Maddie Grace and I go out together, just the two of us, we draw a lot of attention. Um, not only just because of, you know, a dad and his young daughter, but um, people notice that there's something different. And so they want to ask questions, but they just don't know how to be politically correct about it. And so it's just a lot of awkward, you know, oh, she's so cute, and you can tell they want to say something more, but they don't want to offend me. And so it's, it's always just a, an interesting time. Um, several of the ladies who were hosting there uh, we're just enamored by Maddie Grace. Um, and she said, oh, she's so cute. Uh, the waitress that we had uh, did not have a lot of other tables, so she came over and uh, she spent a little time with us. Uh, she got down on Maddie Grace's level, uh, asked her how old she was and uh, uh, what she was coloring and things like that, and, and just was, was really intrigued uh, by us. And um, finally, she looked at me, and uh, she asked a question. She said, is she adopted? Right? Yeah. Yes. She, she, I said, Maddie Grace, where are you from? And Maddie Grace loves to say that she's from China. And, um, and uh, the waitress then turned to me and she said, you know, y'all are doing God's work. And I was, honestly, I really thanked her for that. It was, it was really encouraging to hear that. And uh, I said, you know what, my wife and I believe that too. We felt like we were called to do this. We felt like God was leading us to do that. And uh, I mentioned the fact that I'm a pastor at one of the local churches. And the floodgates opened. <laughs> uh, whenever you mention that you're a pastor, uh, people, uh, people tend to, to tell their story. And it's a great opportunity that I have uh, to be able to hear what God has done in people's lives. So it turns out that this woman, um, I'll just call her Amanda. Um, Amanda had just came to know the Lord. And that past Sunday night, uh, that was a week ago, Palm Sunday, she had been baptized in one of the local churches. It was, she had an incredible story. Um, 17 years prior, she had been stuck in addiction. At one time, she was married. There was a period of unfaithfulness. They eventually got divorced. She spent time in prison, just a slave to her addiction. But she was out now. She was clean. She's going through recovery. Uh, she spent some time at a local homeless shelter. 
uh, because she had nothing when she got out. I asked her if it was the Dorcas house, and she said no. She had heard of the Dorcas house and great things, uh, but it was a different one. And what she was doing was she was trying to get her life back on track. And God met her while she was in prison. She came to know the Lord. And right now she is living not with what we're going to call this morning as a short view. She was living now with a long view. Because in those 17 years, she was living for that day, for that moment, for, for pleasure, for whatever she could do at that moment to escape the pain and the reality of her life. But now, because she has come to know our risen Lord and Savior, she has changed. You know, the resurrection is a game changer for us. It's a complete perspective shift in our lives. Uh, from 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4, the Apostle Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You know, because of the resurrection, we have hope. We have hope. It's not just that our punishment was taken away. You know, on Thursday at our Monday Thursday service, we celebrated the fact that the wrath of God was poured out on Christ. The punishment that was supposed to be ours was poured out on Him. But it doesn't end there. It's not just that our punishment was taken away. Like if I have to punish my children for something, and if God's mercy is flowing through me, I decide to show them mercy instead of doling out the punishment. It doesn't just stop there. It'd be like if I said, you know what, instead of punishing you, I'm going to give you a gift. Um, you know what, you deserve a punishment. Why don't you go grab some candy from the candy jar? Um, that's what God does to us. He removes our punishment, and then he gives us this incredible gift this inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, that is unfading, imperishable, undefiled. This is the hope that we have, this future. But here's the problem, and this is why I struggled with the question, how does the resurrection affect my daily life? It's because I live like Amanda, or at least like Amanda used to. I live with this short view of reality. The, reaction, the resurrection doesn't often play a role in our daily lives because we are simply too short-sighted. Our immediate surroundings just bog us down. All we can see is what is going on right now, and it's understandable. If we have a marriage that is struggling, or if we receive that bad news from the doctor, the company that we have been working at, you hear that word downsizing. You know, we battle depression and the feeling like we just cannot go on. There's the daily struggles of parenthood, of motherhood, of diapers and dishes and laundry that just never seems to end. You know, Satan has done a very good job of distracting us of making us busy, of making us so concerned with the things of this life. He has done such a good job that we forget what is waiting 
for us. You know, as we were going through the Pentateuch, as we were going through the book of Deuteronomy, God was calling us to do not forget to remember. So often we forget. We forget. We don't have our minds set on what is to come, and we lose perspective. And when we do that, we begin to lose hope. So you know what our problem is? You know what my problem is? I don't think about heaven enough. I don't think about what is waiting for us when Christ comes again. And our view of life is just way too short. You know, there's a saying that goes, don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. And I'm just going to say good riddance with that. I don't think that's anybody's issue. I think our problem is, is that we're so earthly focused. We're not focused enough on heaven, on this future that is waiting for us. I think we're so earthly minded that we get bogged down with the things of this life. And we forget about this inheritance that is waiting for us. You know, when I was working with high school students a lot, um, they would come to me with, with issues and problems and struggles that they were having. And a lot of the times, a lot of the advice that I would give them was, you know what, this is not a big deal. You're going to look back on this in a month, in a year. Um, it, and you're going to think, you know, why was I worried so much about that? I said, these, these relationships that you have, these, these people that you're worried about, this in crowd that you're trying to get into, when you're 30 like me and you're going to look back on high school, you're going to think, why did I care so much about what so-and-so thought? Or why did I care so much about being in this in crowd? But that's their reality. <laughs> but once they get out, I loved talking with college students. <laughs> so I would ask them, so what do you think about high school now? And they said, I don't know why <laughs> I was so concerned about all those things. And that's reality. And that's, that's the reality that we're facing right now. We do the same thing in our lives. If, if and when we have a chance to look back on, the, on our lives, will we say, why did I make such a big deal out of the little things? These are the effects of not having what we're going to call this morning the long view, having the long view. So here's the deal. We were made... For eternity. Proverbs said that, that God put eternity in our hearts, and that is how he made us, for eternity. But we rarely live our lives that way. And the problem is we don't understand where we are standing right now. The nature of our position, the nature of where we are right now, is that we are standing on the edge of something so amazing, something so glorious and so unimaginable that if we could even grasp just a little bit of it, we would just be blown away. We could hardly stand it. After the service this morning, uh, my family and I are going to go out to Petagene, and we're going to spend a couple of days camping with my parents. I'm excited. The kids are excited. They love going camping. And um, they love having the campfire and making s'mores and, and just all that is involved there. We have this sense of joyful anticipation. We can't wait for that. But if we truly understood what was waiting for us because of the resurrection, that's how we would live our lives, with this, with this joyous anticipation of what is to come. But I think that we have a problem. 
And I think that our issue is that we don't think that heaven is really going to be that heavenly. We don't anticipate heaven because we don't think it's really going to be that great when we think about it. Uh, There was a sermon that I heard several years ago from one of my seminary professors, Dr. Richard Pratt, and I'll never forget it. Um, He was talking about the fact that our view of heaven is that we're going to be these kind of disembodied spirits, that we're all going to be floating around on the clouds and playing the harp all day long. And he said, I'll never forget what he said, and he he was very much a straight shooter, uh, just told it like it is. He said, if that's what heaven is going to be like, it doesn't sound very heavenly. And he said, if you ask me, it sounds more like the other place than it does like heaven. (laughs) And honestly, if that's our view of heaven, of what we think heaven's going to be like, that seems so short-sighted. That doesn't seem something to get all excited about and to anticipate You know, in our children's sermon this morning, I asked the kids what their favorite place was, and this is the reason why. If you take that place, that if you could go anywhere and do anything, just that anticipation of what that event is, and you simply multiply that by a million, by a trillion, uh, by uh, an infinite infinite number, that is what it's going to be like for us as we spend eternity with God in heaven. This is the result of the resurrection. So take the things that you find beautiful and lovely in this life. So Hawk family, imagine sitting in the bleachers at Wrigley Field on opening day and just multiply that by a billion. Imagine how awesome that would be. Uh, imagine if you love the beach, what, it would, what it's like to just, to just sit there and have the waves come crashing in. You stick your, your toes in the sand You enjoy the warm weather, and just multiply that by an infinite number. If you love the mountains and going hiking and that solitude, just imagine what it's going to be like in heaven. You know, God has given us a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like, and he gave it to us so that we could anticipate it, so that we could look forward, so that we can know what it's going to be like. And I love reading this passage from Revelation 21. I've done it several times. I'll do it several more times. This is what it's going to be like. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. He goes on and In the next chapter, where John says, I saw no temple in that city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory 
and the honor of the nations. So if you imagine what heaven is going to be like, it's going to be the glory and the honor of everything that we see here on earth magnified. It is going to be incredible. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is detestable or false, but those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the street, and on either side of the river, the tree of life, with twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. Just think of that. His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They will need no lamp, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. I long for that. I long for that. Imagine if we saw today through the eyes of tomorrow of what it's going to be like. If we saw today through the eyes of eternity. Imagine if this view of what is to come actually influenced our lives today. So you have an argument with your spouse. We all do it, right? Think of this. This disagreement seems important now, but in the light of eternity, it's really not that big of a deal. If my spouse gets their way, does it matter? What's more important, the relationship or being right? And think of eternity, the fact that there will be no more conflict in heaven. How amazing will relationship be there? Or you hear the word downsizing at work. You know what? There's going to be a day when downsizing will cease. And that word will be just stricken from the language. We will have jobs that fit us perfectly. We will be fulfilled and we will never grow old and we will be working for our king and it will be a joy day in and day out. Imagine your child is having a meltdown for the umpteenth time and it's only, what, 8.30 in the morning. We've all been there. Isn't it going to be a joy to know that there is a place where there will be no more tears? Oh, we long for that day when there will be no more tears. Imagine that you're frustrated with the direction that the country that you love is headed. Well, let's think of the long view. Imagine that a city is waiting for us. It's a city that has nothing detestable, nothing false will be in it, because God's presence fills it completely. And just think that this is the place where we are going to spend eternity. You know, a few short years here pales in comparison to what is to come. It's going to be incredible. You know, we as a church, the session, I realize that we have decided to take a long view in what we feel God is calling Trinity to. As we seek God's will in our current situation, as you can aptly see right now, we're running out of space. So what do we do? Where is God leading us? So we feel like God is leading us to be kingdom-minded, not Trinity-minded. 
So we're looking into church planting and what that will mean for Trinity to have a daughter church. Please pray for us as we navigate those waters and what God is calling us to there. But we want to be good stewards of what we have here because God has blessed us with a building that is great and it's paid off. And we've got great property out back with a playground that kids love to play in. So we need to keep good care of our, uh, of our building here. So we're going to be forming a church beautification committee. If you're at all interested in helping us out to know what we can do to be good stewards here, uh, to make this place beautiful uh, for God and for his kingdom, please come talk to me. There's people who want to get together and to be a part of this. We're excited about what God is doing here, and we want to have the long view, what is best for God and for the kingdom. You know, I want to have the long view for my children. We do the best to provide what we can for them. I'm concerned about their health, their well-being, their safety, and all these good things. I want them to be contributing members of society, to, to grow up, to have a good job, to know what it means to work hard, uh, to, to enjoy life. But if this is my ultimate goal for them, am I selling them short? It's the short view. I want to have the long view because our children are made for eternity, not just this life. And I want to prepare them for that. So let's set eternity in the hearts and in the minds of our children. So my prayer for us this morning is that God would change our desires. You know, C.S. Lewis has this great quote uh, about our desires, is that the fact is that we desire too little. We don't desire too much. In his book, The Weight of Glory, he says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. We are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. You see, we are too easily pleased. So Paul tells us what we need to do. We need to set our minds on things that are above. In Colossians 3, he says this, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear in glory. So because of the resurrection, we're going to appear with Christ in glory. This is the hope that we have. This is what gave these 21 Christians who were martyred recently by ISIS, this is what gave them hope, that they would be with Christ in glory. This, these are the thoughts that formed the last years of Kara Tippett's life, as we talked about last week, as she struggled with cancer. She had the hope that she would be with Christ. You know, Amanda is now taking the long view this waitress that I mentioned at the beginning. She's working hard to get her life back, and I applaud her for it. She doesn't have custody of her young son because it was he was taken away from her. But her mother does, and she gets to see him about the third of the time now. And she is so grateful for that. She's holding on a job so she can support her family. But what I found so intriguing 
is that her husband, or her ex-husband now, is hopefully getting out of prison soon. And because God is working in her life, she is saving herself for her husband, hoping She is hoping and praying that they can be reunited so that they can be a family again. The resurrection of Christ has so completely changed her life and completely changed her perspective. You know, is it going to be easy for her? No, it's not. It's going to be really hard. But she has hope. She doesn't know how this life is going to turn out for her, but she knows how it will turn out for her in the end. She has this joyful anticipation of what it's going to be like when Christ comes again. She has the long view, and she is joyfully anticipating that. Because of the resurrection, she now has hope because she knows how things are going to turn out for her in the end. So finally, brothers and sisters in Christ, the resurrection is a game changer for us. It is a total perspective changer. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. We have hope, brothers and sisters, not just for this life, but for the life to come. So we are called now to live life in joyful anticipation. No, life is not going to be easy right now. But we will catch glimpses of the life to come. And imagine what it will be like when those glimpses will become reality. So let us see today through the eyes of tomorrow, through the eyes of eternity, that we have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is alive. And because he lives, we will live. Amen. Hallelujah. And let us pray. Our most gracious God and Father, Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are so grateful to you for this day that we can celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. We are so grateful that we can now live life in joyful anticipation, knowing that because Jesus lives, we will live. That the struggles that we endure in this life are not for for naught, that they are achieving for us eternity, and that you are keeping it for us, this inheritance that will never spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us. Father, I pray that you would work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would live each day with this hope. Fill us with joy. Fill us with hope. Lord, fill us with love. Fill us with your Lord, with your our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name alone that we pray. Amen.